Are you in a band? Are you an entertainment entrepreneur? Are you a musician, songwriter, or producer? Or are you wanting to start a career in the music industry? If so, then this podcast is for you. On the Do That Music Thing podcast, we'll be interviewing subject matter experts, artists, and other leaders in the music industry to identify actionable strategies to move you forward in your career, spark some inspiration, and at the least, just have some fun talking about music. So let's get to it and do that music thing. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Do That Music Thing. With me again is my wonderful partner in crime slash life mate slash <laughs> songwriter slash yeah. drummer extraordinaire slash podcaster slash internet celebrity slash decent human being at best. I uh, would like to introduce Todd Slosher. Hey, thanks. Yeah, it's good to see you again. We had a really good conversation last time uh, yeah. about content production and yeah. this conversation we're going to have now I think really lends itself to that conversation. So, um if you want to go back and listen to that episode, I would recommend doing that after this one because today we are going to talk about branding. How important branding is for the artist, for the label, for yourself as an entrepreneur, manager, DJ, whatever it is, branding yourself is important in all of the aspects that kind of surround that. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's start with uh, the discussion of what is a brand. I know a lot of people may have an idea. I think a lot of folks just immediately think of, oh, my logo. And while that is part of the yeah, brand. Yeah, that's part that of is, it. They're not necessarily wrong. They're just, that's just not the complete answer. Right. That, that is a yeah. very important, albeit small piece of the brand puzzle. So let's, yeah. what, what is a brand? I mean, it is everything that you put forward that is public facing in my mind. So like, Everything the public can engage in is an aspect of your brand, which is, I mean, everything. I, I would say everything. Like, I don't know anything that wouldn't, I couldn't tie in some way to branding or the brand. But I mean, it's, I think it starts with the name and the logo. Like, it starts there, and then it, you can sort of work your way out from there. You know, in an effective brand, you know, you, you mentioned something important is the name. And yeah. you can even subdivide that Um into, you know, what is your name, but then what is your tagline? You know, how would you describe yourself? What's your elevator yeah. pitch? Um, because all of those need to fall directly in line with one another. You know, you've got your brand, your, your aesthetics need to speak to your name, which also needs to speak to your tagline. If you are a business, I think that, you know, once you get that tagline, you can really determine a mission and a vision statement, but you can then use in multiple different ways, but they all need to be really cohesive. Man, here's one of the things that I think artists miss out on. I think artists need like a mission statement and a, like uh, statements like that. Um, and businesses, I think, are better at that sort of thing. Like most businesses have like a uh, like a tagline, if you will. Like Google's is do no evil or whatever. I mean, they do a lot of evil, but that's a cool tagline. And like, um, I feel like bands need that too. It may not be something that you like, uh, like put out, like you may not put out the tagline as like content or whatever, but all your content should tie back to that sort of internally minded tagline that you have. You know, if I want to be like a party rocker, you know, frat college douche guy, like that would be like Andrew WK's lane. And he does that lane really well, you know, but like, I don't think he's ever said that, but that is like his tag, you know? 
So like there are bands that do it well. They may not say it, but some bands do it real well. Like I think of bands like My Chemical Romance. Like you look at them and you know what they sound like. You know what they're doing. Like I get it. Uh, it may not be my favorite thing in the world, but like, you know, when you just like look at them or look at their logo, it all ties together into this like homogenous thing that is their brand. When you see a listener or a fan, you almost know exactly who they're a fan of. Yeah. And that is the gold standard for branding. You know, whenever I discuss branding, I always bring up Patagonia. That's like my go-to. Oh, yeah. Because when you see someone with a Patagonia shirt or hat or pullover or vest, um, it is vest season, Han Solo season. It is vest um, season, you're right. <laughs> um, whenever you see a Patagonia logo, you know, Patagonia has done such a good job about connecting their brand and their look with their values that you apply those values to the person wearing that brand. So right, wrong, and different, you see a person with a Patagonia logo, you think that, oh, well, they must be outside a lot. They hike. They're super, you know, into the environment, protecting the environment, et cetera. True, false, whatever. I mean, that, that is what that does. And artists have the exact same opportunity. Yeah. Um, another good one is Dave Matthews, you know? Like, it, that's, that's definitely dating us, but you see someone with a Dave Matthews shirt on or, like, a Grateful Dead shirt, you oh, know what oh, they're yeah. into. You, yeah. you, you just do. Yeah. And listen, I love Dave Matthews, <laughs> but I'll say this. Their drummer is like next level amazing. I could care anything. I don't care anything about anyone else in that band. Their drummer is amazing. I also like sort of dig Dave's voice in a silly way because he sings like this and that makes me laugh and I'm here for it. That's easily the best Dave Matthews impression I've ever heard. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, close personal friend Dave Matthews on the podcast. Um, no, I, I do think that... Um, they have nailed sort of the aesthetic and the brand that they're going for. And they've been nailing it since like the mid nineties. Like they know what they're doing. I mean, I'm not sure they're even doing it much anymore because they've been doing it so long. They don't need to do it anymore. <laughs> you know, no joke. Yeah. Um, no, every time I've seen Dave Matthews and I've seen him maybe seven or eight times, they play for longer amounts of time, but they play less songs. Oh, yeah, they are just a jam band. I mean, they sort of have always been that live, but like, you know, their live at Red Rocks album is, I think, amazing, but it's, they're still playing like the hits in that album. I've seen them more recently and they're like, they play like four songs for five hours and you're like, how is that possible? But I mean, it's fine. I'm into it because Carter Beaufort's, their drummer is amazing. <laughs> I could I could watch him play a phone book. Like the dude could do it. He's amazing. Yeah, because he's, he's left-handed, right? And he plays open. That, I'm not sure if he's right or left-handed, but he does play open. I, I mean, he, he, you know, he plays the hi-hat with his left hand, which is, I, I play the opposite. I cross over. He plays open, which opens him up to do very, very cool stuff. And I, I mean, I can play open like that. Like Chris, you've seen me do it a thousand times, but like, that's his go-to. Like that's where he's comfortable. And that frees him up to do so much cool stuff. And he nails it. Like dude's just like amazing. So Dave Matthews. Grateful Dead. Like, it's interesting. A lot of those jam bands, I mean, even Black Crows, not that they are a jam band by any means, but they kind of, for some, whatever reason, they get grouped into that category. You know, they've got a great brand aesthetic. And yeah. just because you have a solid brand aesthetic as an artist does not mean and should never mean that you can't evolve. You need to evolve. 
I mean, um, look at Madonna as a version of that. Like when Madonna came out, she was like party girl fabulous. Like that was her brand. Like 80s party girl fabulous was her brand. And then she has changed her image like nine times since then, but has always been true to like Madonna, like who Madonna is. She is all, which is all very like, I think female empowerment, sort of like I'm going to do things my way, no matter what anyone else says. To me, it's a shinier, girlier Alanis Morissette vibe, you know, which I'm here for. Like Madonna's great at reinventing herself, but it all sort of ties into that, I think, internal branding of, you know, females can do whatever they want and let's do it. Like that sort of brand. And yeah, I'm here she's, for it. Yeah. She's held on to that core message yes. that she started with yeah. and just expanded it. And what's great is that that means that you get to keep all the fans you you've made here, but you get to make even more here and you just keep get to add and you add and you add on. Cause the Madonna that I think I connected with was bedtime stories into like Austin power soundtrack. Yeah, That yeah. is like, honestly go back and listen to bedtime stories album is a freaking banger there are so many good tracks on that record that's i i don't connect with 80s madonna me either. i do connect with bedtime stories you know austin powers madonna that is yeah. madonna that i connect with so just know that too that um you're going to be able to grow and expand your brand and you know not just artists do this clearly great brands do this as well i mean go look at apple They've reinvented themselves yeah. a few times. All the major car manufacturers have done this. Uh, you know, even brands like Nike and Adidas, they've done that. So take cues as an artist, take cues from outside the industry. See what other brands are doing. Think of the brands that, you know, you wear. That's a good place to start. The brands that you wear or the brands that you engage with. See what they're doing because that kind of inherently is value overlap with what you are and the people that you want to connect with, right? Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about now, we've had our defined what a brand is. Let's talk about, you know, how to actually go about doing that. You know, what is, what is the best means forward? Yeah, absolutely. So what would you start with, Chris? I know we've done this a few times with various bands that we've been a part of and also like various companies we've started or help people start. So what do you like to start with when you're building a brand? Uh, I mean, branding is one of my favorite things in the world to do from like a yeah. marketing perspective. So yeah, I personally brand building love is it. a lot of fun. I think it, it is. is. It's a lot of um, brainstorming and just like really like honing in on what you want to achieve. And that's like, those are fun conversations to have. Totally. And to kind of go back to our conversation we had last time about content, keep everything that you brainstorm because that yeah. is potential content later on. Uh, but it does, it starts with the brainstorm. That is where the, the branding process starts and let's start with a name right so what is your name as an artist what is your name as a band you know i'll use blackwater james as a really good example which is one of the bands that we were in historically you can go find it on spotify if you want to some of it sounds great some of it doesn't sound great um, yeah, I mean, I'm proud of that stuff, but yeah. like, it's not the best music in the world, which is why we're not the biggest artist in the world you know it's fine <laughs> it's great yeah but like That's why we're doing this now yeah. um but you know, that was a really fun conversation to have. And that was just you and I, I believe, initially, where we were trying to find ways and cool stories that we had about each other. And we came up with, uh, well, we were digging through the brainstorming sessions and it kind of came up that, oh yeah, uh, moonshine and distilling and whiskey 
is kind of like a part of my family heritage on both sides. And my grandfather, who was a huge part of my life and a huge part of, I think, a lot of the bands, because he was always there. We always practiced at their place at my yeah. grandparents. Like um, from when we were in high school, like he yeah. was, I look at him as like my papa too. Like he's a great, like formative presence in my life. But his name was James. My middle name is James. Yeah. Everybody else in my family is named James. Or has it somewhere in their name. So we're like, Blackwater James. We were thinking about like, you know, we, we started off with James. How can we integrate that? And then, you know, we started talking about the distilling and like the whiskey and, and all this stuff. And um, we were like, oh, well, it, it comes from a creek. Um, and it was, you know, my grandfather's job as a six-year-old was to drive the truck full of jars from Stuck Creek Mountain in Knoxville into town. <laughs> and it was night. So it was like, cool. Well, now we have this concept of like, there's water, there's darkness, there's blackness. Then yeah. there's James. Like, well, that's a cool name. Let's put those together. Blackwater James. And that's kind of what we came up with. And we utilized a lot of stuff from like my family's past. Um, on my father's side, you know, they were German immigrants and they started a distillery in Pennsylvania, uh, Faust Brothers Whiskey, Faust Brothers Distilling. And it we was actually so used popular. that distillery on some merch because it exactly it looked cool. Like I thought it was great. Yeah, um, there was a a town grew up around the distillery, and they called it Faust Town. And we just so happened to have a picture of one of the like flyers of Faust Town, yeah. and we used that on one of our shirts. So like this whole con, and it really lended us well to do Southern Rock. You know, we were a rock band. But we got to open for, you know, Southern rock bands and people like David Allen Coe. Yeah. Um, so I guess the concept is, is that we were able to pull stories from our past. We were able to pull stories uh, from each other and have that conversation. And that's where the brand started. So that's probably step one is brainstorm, but be authentic. Pull stories out of each other. Find out, you know, what are these really interesting aspects of your life that you can pull from to create a name? Yeah. or to create a brand aesthetic. So um, that's that would be step one in my mind. I agree. I think that you touched on it just a second ago, but when you said be authentic, like I think that that is the most important thing because you can't really keep up an act for your entire life. You know, it's- it, that would Kiss be, couldn't do it. Yeah, that would be very <laughs> difficult. Um, now I'm not saying like a, a Kiss is a good example of, being like sort of super out there and weird, especially like in the time when they started, like wearing face paint and stuff on stage was crazy. Like they were, th that was, they were doing something very shocking to catch attention and that does work. So like, if that's something that you want to incorporate, feel free, have fun with it, but just make sure it's something that you can do night after night, all year, all decade, like something that you want to do a lot of, because it is something that you will have to do a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, once you kind of have that, that name or that theme down, you know, move into the aesthetic piece. Right. And, you know, we talked about this in our last conversation, but we were able to teach ourselves because we didn't have access to capital or have necessarily the skills we taught ourselves how to be graphic designers. And we were able yeah. to design our logos. And granted, we kept them very, very simple on purpose. Um, we took a cue out of Apple's book, right? You know, mono, monochrome or uh, duotone. 
right? Like it's one or two colors, sometimes three, but mainly just black and white. Well, one thing that did is, you know, we didn't go crazy with colors uh, on purpose because one, we didn't, we knew we didn't have enough money to produce merch with a ton of different colors. Yep. Uh, black t-shirts are way easier to keep clean and sell, but also it just keeps the clutter down, right? I mean, Apple does an incredible job uh, or Mercedes does an incredible job too uh, of utilizing black and white in their color scheme. So Keep that yeah, I think mind. if you look at most successful brands out there, they are simple. Like most of them are simple and very recognizable. And that's sort of, I think, where you want to be is in that simple, very recognizable at a glance sort of brand. You know, and some aspects to go ahead and get started with designing. There are a lot of free applications you can use. I know people use Canva a lot to create logos. Yeah. Uh you can totally utilize something like Upwork, you know, where you can go and contract someone to design a logo for you. Uh, or you can rip a version of Adobe Photoshop and make one. I would never, <laughs> ever say that we did that, but that is an option that I would not, uh, <laughs> would push, but it is an option. There are a lot of different free versions of Photoshop online that you can just like upload stuff to. And then like, it has almost all, if not all Photoshop features. Uh, and if you just type in like free Photoshop online, it'll come up with a bunch of them. So like, you don't have to steal anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not that we ever did that, but, Never. um, Never. you know, if you honestly, Google is your best friend. So you can find a lot of tools online very easily that you can now use to make, I think, very professional looking logos that doesn't cost you anything. Now that I will say, and you did mention this before, Chris, that you can hire someone through like an Upwork or like a Fiverr, or there are places out there where you can hire graphic designers, even if you don't know a graphic designer that you can reach out to, right? So if you don't have any graphic design skill, you don't have any desire to learn it, and you have a little bit of money, you can throw at the problem, do that too. Like when we created the horror virgin logo, we knew what we wanted it to look like, but I couldn't do that in Photoshop. I, I did not have that skill set at that point. And so we hired a graphic designer and he did it for literally like a hundred bucks and it looks great. It's the logo we use today. Like it, it, it looks professional and very simple and I love it. You know, I'm never going to change it. Uh, but there, you have multiple options, right? And um, that's one thing to do. Always keep that in mind, right? Yeah. Uh, just because you get stuck at one problem, especially in the branding process, don't don't let that just shut you down. Go find a solution to the problem because one exists. Have you exhausted Always. all options, right? Here we go. <laughs> Exhaust all the options. That um, is one of Chris's mantras. And I'm sure you've said it more than just on the other episode that I was on, but you definitely said it on that episode. <laughs> I mean, I say it to myself when I, I, when I hit speed bumps. I'm yeah. like, dude, exhaust the options. It's yeah. also the options. I mean, for me, it's at this point, we, uh, you know, the podcast generate revenue. So like with a lot of stuff, I'm like, mm, do I want to do this? Or can we hire someone to do this? Or a lot of times, like I'll give you a good example of um, that. We have a pretty loyal fan base. So there is a fan who is now the editor in chief of our horror virgin blog because she wanted a hobby and like, is just volunteering her time to do that. And we're like crowdsourcing all that content, not to go back to content. I know that was last episode, but like we, I'm not writing any blogs. Paige and Mikey, my other two co-hosts aren't writing blogs, although we can, but we're sourcing all that from the community because our fan base wants to write for the, the blog. So we're um, generating all of that content. And I, 
I, I want to refer to it as like SEO juice. And I know you know what I'm talking about, but that is like search engine optimization. So if someone types in horror podcast or even horror virgin looking for like Rocky Horror Picture Show stuff, like we will pop up higher in that Google search result because of the blog. So it's, and it's honestly, it's awesome content for the community to come around too. So it's, it's multifaceted and it's very, very helpful, but like there might be someone in your community that is willing to do some of this stuff for free for you just because they're a fan of yours. Now, if you're just starting out, you may not have that fan pull yet, but you might get to that point. And that is a good point to be at. To bring it kind of back to being brand centric, that brand value that you provide or that you show from your podcast or that you show from your music is how you're going to make connections with other people that will then help you. Yeah. It's brand is all about value overlap. You know, where does the value that your service, that your music, what, what value does that provide or can it show for people? And then where does it connect with your audience? Um, the next step I think in branding, once you've got your aesthetics down, once you've got, you know, your, your name kind of figured out and your theme is taking that. And I know a lot of people are going to hate me when I say this, templatize, <laughs> templatize as much as you can. And when I say templatize, you know, Adobe has a really great uh, function where they have these mobile applications that are similar to like Photoshop, but they're super easy and super simple and you can templatize. Yeah. Get your colors set. Spend an afternoon and create three or four social media templates. And then you can just drop photos. You can drop logos, drop all that stuff in. And it just saves you so much time. But it only saves you time because you know you now have a box, a, a brand box to work in. Um, and what that does is that makes decision making, not just around social media, but content. Uh, what you say during interviews, what you say in press releases, it makes all of those things so much easier because you're in this little brand box. This is what we do. This is how we talk about it. And we're yeah. going to be consistent on that message. Yeah. It is very simple to get from that point. It's difficult to get up to that point where you can, where you built that box of what the brand is. But once you have that, it is very easy to tie back to that and be like, oh, I know how to create this social share or I know what to do here because we've already built that brand, right? The building of the brand will take time. Like it's not going to be something you hammer out in three hours, just brainstorming on a whiteboard. Although I do recommend brainstorming on a whiteboard or something like that, because like Chris was saying earlier, even if you don't go back or if you don't use something you write down, you may go back to it and it may lead to something else. So like literally brainstorm, I, I, we used to do this in school, like, like web, like a web brainstorm where you just like go out from that, like build out from that, like, and see how, I don't know, like how you can incorporate other aspects of, well, the business or the band or the artist. So for me, like for an artist, the brand, I think, is just an extension of your personality and like what you create, right? So if you, like Andrew WK, I know he has a band that backs him, but he is very much like a solo artist, right? So he is like white tea, bloody nose. Like that is how I see Andrew WK because I think he nailed his brand with that first image, that first album image. And that is, I think, how everyone sees Andrew WK, even though now he's like, 55 years old or whatever, and a motivational speaker. Like I will always see him as like this college frat frat guy who writes, I think great 
rat rock. Like, I don't know how else to call it, but like, you know, that image. And I, I don't know if it's actually his personality. <laughs> doesn't <laughs> but, matter. Yeah. But it like, doesn't matter. One of my favorite groups, uh, of all time is guns and roses. One of my favorite guitar players of all time is slash, uh, hence the copious amounts of single cuts right? on my wall behind yeah. me, which listeners can't, uh, see, but, uh, there is a Les Paul on my wall, uh, that is heavily inspired by Slash. And Slash is an incredible brand. I mean, he is he has gone beyond a guitar player. He is a brand. If you just see a dude with long black hair that's curly and a top hat, you're gonna think it's Slash, whether it is or not. Uh, when you, I mean, there is a huge generation uh, of people from like the mid 80s, mid late 80s, all the way through now that when you see a top hat, you think of, of Slash. Now, granted, I know there's the whole like, what about Alice Cooper? Totally get that. See, when I think of Alice Cooper, I don't think top hat. I think of like what he looked like in that Feed My Frankenstein bit from Wayne's World. See, I think of the him throwing the chicken into the crowd Ooh. and people destroying the chicken and then he got blamed for it. Right. That's, but theatrics, either way. Right. Um, which he is, is his brand. very theatrical. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to lean back on. His brand is very like theater rock, which I, you know, you, you know, are me. so down I'm for that. Super into like Poison by Alice Cooper is one of my favorite songs. And I get that it's not the best, but I love it. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So good. But to get back to Slash, Slash is a great example of how someone turned. Now, most people, I would think, don't know what Slash sounds like when he talks. Think yeah. about how powerful that image is. He is one-fifth of an incredibly huge band. You know, doesn't talk, doesn't sing. He plays guitar. Doesn't need he to, was, yeah. He was able to build a visual brand for himself within a larger unit, which I think is awesome. Yeah. So you've got the Guns N' Roses brand, but then you have each individual, you know, Axel, Duff, depending on what era the drummer uh, Steven Adler and Matt Sorum who is I think <laughs> an amazing drummer like if I, if I could nail my style to anyone else's style I would say I am just a bad copy of Matt Sorum and I hope that Matt would appreciate that <laughs> because <laughs> you know, he is amazing too he's very different than Carter Beaufort he is just I think a very powerful drummer that knows when to show off and knows when to back away to let the guitar shine through or let the vocal shine through. Like he can do some incredible stuff, but chooses not to a bunch because he knows the song is about the song. Not, the song is not about the drums, which I love that about his playing style. Well, you know, Matt Sorum has his own brand. And um, I know that I've engaged with him a few times on social media engaged where he's replied to a message but he has a very unique Palm Springs vibe, yeah. which I love. And, you know, he just released his book uh, this year, I believe, uh, about his time as an incredible drummer. Um, if you haven't looked up the groups that he's been a part of, The Cult. I was going to say that, um, yeah. Guns I mean, N' Roses, obviously. Guns N' Roses. Uh, I know that he did some stuff with uh, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. But either way, uh, this is an interesting conversation to kind of talk about brand because... We've named two individuals in the same band and they have very unique brands. As a band, you need to, yes, have your own brand as a unit, but then have your individual brands because that means you can cover more ground. 
I mean, how many times do we talk to people about building their own personal brand? Like whether they're in business or whether they're an artist or, I mean, we talk to CEOs and we're trying to convince them to start their own personal brand because they should exist outside the company and they should be a thought leader of, I like to call it CEO-ship, like, you know, being a CEO. And most people have, most of them have no interest in that. I think the ones that excel are the ones that embrace that. And I think same goes whether you're a CEO, whether you're the guitarist of a band or the drummer or the lead singer or whatever, you should have the brand of the bands, the aesthetic of that, but you should also be able to define what your role is in that and your own personal brand and how it fits into that. Uh, and I think the people who are successful, like your slashes, are that way. Who is the, uh, is it Richard Branson, the CEO of, of Virgin? All the Virgin companies, yeah. Right? All of them, all 8 million of them. Like, <laughs> yeah. He has a brand. You know what it is. You know, this is a, you know, let's shift a little bit. We've talked about artists and how they can brand bands, that sort of thing. But now let's move to independent managers, you know, uh, okay. DJs. Let's talk about, you know, smaller booking firms. There is a real opportunity there to grow your own individual brand, but then also elevate your, you know, kind of cachet in that industry. Because if you think about it, if you're a booking agent in a smaller market, right, you're probably dominating and don't know it. But now it's time to let other people know it. So start building that brand and start, you know, promoting yourself as that subject matter expert. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you have the Lexington market locked down for rock bands, like you should have a brand that represents that or like that, that is very clear when you look at that and then you should start promoting that brand. Right. Um, I think of, was it dungeon back when we were in oh like my gosh. coming up dungeon promotions? Yeah, yeah. Bonnie, right. Her name was dungeon Bonnie. Bonnie. Like she crushed it at that. And I think um, I don't even know if she knew she was doing it, but she very much was like the rock booker promoter in Nashville, which sounds weird because Nashville's like country music city. Right. But like Bonnie established herself as like, Hey, if you're a regional rock band, you're going to do a show with me because I am the person you want to go with for rock music in Nashville. And she was like, she put on some amazing shows. Uh, she turned, she definitely gave us some huge opportunities opening yeah. for larger bands. Uh, you know, when, when we were performing in Nashville, one of the easiest ways to really, you know, get into the scene was to quickly was to open for folks. Oh yeah. And, and, and she was the person that, because she kind of set her brand up to be that person, those bands coming through town would contact her or she'd reach out to them for, you know, a, a two day run in town. Yeah. And because she was the lady you went to, you know, yeah. um, that's exactly think, what you need to do. That is yeah, a, a great that, example. I think that that is now more important than ever. Cause I mean, back then MySpace was a thing, but like Facebook wasn't a thing. So like social media was a thing, but it like, wasn't nearly as big as it is now. And MySpace, that was it. I think, I think it was like MySpace, like Friendster and stuff like that. Although I never had a Friendster, but anyway, like there weren't a lot of options for, social media. Now there's, I, th I can think of three big ones right now. Uh, and it, there are way more people on it than used to be. So like having that brand that is like searchable and then engageable, I think is super important because whatever you're doing, whether you're songwriting, 
whether you're a band that's looking to book some bigger shows, whether you're a, a promoter that's looking to book some bigger bands, whatever you're trying to do, you want to be able to be findable from someone who's like typing into Google, whatever you are. Right. So like a uh, club promoter, in Nashville, Tennessee, like that sort of thing. Right. Or rock club promoter, in Nashville, Tennessee, like, cause back in our day, dungeon promotions or productions or whatever the name was would have been like one of the first ones that popped up. One thing that Bonnie did incredibly well and that I think a lot of entrepreneurs in the music industry space don't do, which is a huge opportunity is finding ways to expand your brand. And what I say by this is Bonnie was an incredible people person. She was lovely, just a super sweet human being and would go above and beyond. But she kind of took that and she turned it into an award show that yeah. she did four or five years in a row. And that got tons of people out. It got the bands together, but it got them together and their fans together around her. She did not know she was doing this. I don't think, but she was just trying to be positive for the scene and, you know, get everyone together. She was the kind of person who was like, I just want to give back to the scene because it's given so much to me. And she was very, very sweet. Like I could see her just doing this out of the kindness of her heart with no like business ulterior motive. Although I think she has a great business ulterior motive to want to do that. Cause it was like the Nashville musical Oscars. What are the, uh, uh, the Oscars for music? What is that? Grammys? You can tell yeah. The Grammys. I don't <laughs> care. Like the Grammys are just like ways for rich people to celebrate themselves. So are the Oscars. I don't pay attention. I don't care. But like, listen, it did bring, like, I think Bonnie did more to build a scene, a rock scene in Nashville than any other one person. I can think of another sort of promoter slash bartender slash uh, I think music extraordinaire who I love Benji. And I know you oh. know who I'm talking about love Benji, but he also was, I think on a similar level as um, Bonnie in sort of scene building and like just connecting people that he thought were talented and he enjoyed their music and brought them together. But man, those two people I think did a great job of building a scene um, here in Nashville. But they inadvertently built incredible brands because both of us know Dungeon Bonnie Yep. And Benji, they have their own brands and uh, brands can be good. They can be bad. They can be eccentric. Uh, one person that built uh, an incredible brand for themselves, speaking of, of Benji, also at the Rutledge, which is a closed, it's a venue here that we played at regularly, was Frank the Sound Guy. <laughs> Are we going to talk negative brands? Is that what we're talking about now? No, no. Eccentric brands. Okay. Eccentric okay. brands. I liked Frank the Sound Guy, but that is largely because I listened to Frank, the sound guy. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You did yeah. as you were told. Yeah. Because I realized that if I want the sound guy to make my drums sound good, he's going to have to be in control of like the mic positioning, like the mix of the drums. Like he, his job is to make me sound good. It's not like, yeah, I'm just going to let him do whatever he wants to do. <laughs> he, I think got a negative rep, rep, uh, rep around town because a lot of people like were very opinionated on where the mic needed to be so that their, you know, orange amp sounded the best or whatever. And I get like, listen, I spent a lot of money on my drum set too, but I'm not the sound guy. And if I piss off the sound guy, he's going to care less about how I sound. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, this is slightly off topic, but an, an incredible and important note for all musicians, let the sound guy be the sound guy. Yeah. Right. Don't and, have control. Don't worry yeah. about keeping control. They can do it better than you can and let them. Yeah. 
And honestly, even if you could do it better, you're not doing it that night. Your job is to be the guitarist or the drummer or the bassist or the vocalist or whatever. You do your job, let them do their job because you can't do both the jobs. And if they hate you, they will, I don't say, some of them might go out of their way to make you sound bad. I would just assume- They're not gonna put extra effort in. Exactly. Most of them just won't care. And they'll be like, yeah, it's on, it's fine. You know, like- Let's talk about that though. That, that that also kind of comes back to brand, you know, um, helping people being someone that can, can connect folks is the biggest asset you have in the music industry because that's all it is. It is making connections. Yeah. And when you hoard connections and when you don't connect people, why would anyone want to connect you? Yeah. Build bridges and that is an incredible brand. And that is a, that is a huge part of branding, especially if you're a personal brand, like a promoter or a booking agent, get, just get people together, make connections, make other people successful and you will be successful. I know that's a cliche in business that, what is it? A rising tide raises all boats, but in the music it's industry, true it's true. I can give you a good like podcasting example of that. So we have the horror virgin is i think a very successful podcast it's usually one of the top film review podcasts right there's another horror podcast that's similar to ours but it's three women out of california and we've guested on each other's shows but like recently they have joined a pretty big and i would say powerful podcasting network called headgum and i couldn't and they're blowing up like they're becoming like the next big film review podcast and they're way past us in like engagement online i don't know what their downloads are but i'd imagine they're either at where we are or bigger than we are but there's no way that doesn't help me because we have a two-hour commercial in their podcast feed for our podcast when i guessed it on their show you know so like them growing is only going to help us long-term and also like they're just great people you know so like we're still friends we chat not every day but like often ish you know we'll like i'll like respond to a story or they'll respond to one of mine like that sort of engagement that sort of friends right yeah like we don't hang out they live in california but like they're good people and i i'm i would imagine we'll guest on each other's shows more and stuff like that so like if you're friendly and you're like helpful people will bring you with them whether they want to or not on their growth journey because you'll be a part of that growth for them, you know? And it can be as simple as just being nice. Now, here's a lesson for all those musicians out there that are like sidemen, right? That you're like a hired gun. People will choose the better hang over the better player. Every time. They want a player that can play the notes and is fun to hang out with. They don't want a player that can play notes plus every other song in the world. They don't care about that. They want someone who they can spend seven hours in a small suburban with, (laughs) like, you know, like that's a reality of the job is like, you're going to have to hang out with these people a lot, a lot. And yeah. So like you want to be in a band with someone who like you could hang out with at a Panera for seven hours after you set up your gear waiting to go on stage. You know what I'm saying? Like you want to be around people that are fun to be around. And that is 1000% affecting your personal brand. How you treat people is how they connect that with your name. Yeah. And that travels so fast, you know, not just in the music industry, but in any industry. Um, You know, when you go get a job somewhere, 
like a, a traditional job, you put references down, right? Um, and, in, and also in the age of social media, it's not hard to find out if someone is a nice person or not simply by Googling their name and yeah. seeing what pops up. Yeah. So always keep that in mind. So let's wrap up this conversation and let's talk about a little bit about three actionable things that someone can do to move their, their career forward in terms of branding. What are three things that someone can do today and take action? I think the first one is start brainstorming, whether it's with someone else. Like if you're in a band, bring the band together, start brainstorming. If it's with yourself, just like I do a lot of thinking when I'm in motion. So like if I'm having a bad day or whatever, I'll go for like a run or maybe even a walk if I'm like not feeling a run or like I'll play my drums or whatever, but I do my best thinking then. I do a lot of brainstorming and like writing, not like music writing, but I'll come up with like ideas for songs that I want to write and I'll just throw them in my notes app on my phone because I'm out for a walk or whatever. So if you're that kind of person, uh, maybe like a whiteboard brainstorming session, you don't want to be like dragging a whiteboard down the street. That would be hilarious, but don't do that. But like maybe your notes app is where you start, but start that brainstorming session, whether it's with yourself or whether it's with your group, whatever that group is, uh, start that brainstorming session. I think that that is the most important thing. And if you already have a name, you still need to brainstorm because a name is just part of it. A logo is just part of it. You know, you want to, come up with the whole brand, what makes up the whole brand. Because once you've done that hard work, then you can, like you said earlier, you can sort of build all your content through that brand lens, right? And it makes doing that way easier. And number two, to kind of play off of that, I think is to turn that brand actionable and do it in a way that is super cost and time effective. So that second piece is, you know, find a mobile application like a Canva where or, you know, your Adobe mobile applications um, where you can design those materials on the go and quickly yeah. and not take up a bunch of time. One thing that I highly recommend every person do that's in the music industry, whether it's an artist, songwriter, um, A&R, manager, booker, is have a Google yeah. Drive. Have oh. a Google Drive. Yes. And y- you know what? you can put hashtags in an Excel sheet that, you know, I've got uh, an Excel spreadsheet for the Faust band. I've got an Excel spreadsheet for my songwriting stuff with 20 or 30 rows of five to 10 hashtags where it's like, this one is songwriting hashtags. This one is rock music hashtags. This one is Nashville music industry hashtags. Yeah. And I'll just copy paste that just saved me an insane amount of time trying to type all those out. But all I had to do was log into Google Drive, copy and paste. Done. But utilize that concept for everything. <laughs> if you've got a Google Doc that has, you know, your tagline in it, yeah. that has your mini bio, that has your long bio, that has the bio of every person at your company or in your band, just put it all there. So all you have to do is copy and paste. And it just it makes stuff so accessible and obviously templatized, right? All of this is around templatizing your brand and making it. I was it gonna say quickly. like that. That is a form of making templates, right? And that is, I think, a great actionable item as well. Like 
templatize as much as you can. Like, I can't tell you how many times I'm creating social shares for the horror version where I literally will click on, I, I do some of it in after effects because I want to have like the waveforms for the voice. It just, it, it gets a lot more engagement on social media, but I have all, all of that already built. I just like double click on the uh, after effects file, the project file, and it loads. I drop in the image and the audio I want it to play. And then I select the source so that the waveform actually plays you know, in tandem with the the audio I have, and then it's done. Like that's all I have to do. And setting up that template took me 15, 20 minutes. It didn't take a super long time, but it saves me probably, it takes me probably three minutes to make a social share now. And every time I make one, that's saving me like 17 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like it's insane how much time that's saving me. So like do that as much as possible, like lean on that brand, like let it help you. Totally. And once again, you don't have to be an artist to do this. Uh, managers, especially if you're managing multiple artists, God, Google Docs is a lifesaver. Yeah. Um, well, we do a lot can... of co-writes with other artists, right? And we have like Google Docs set up for each different co-write we have, right? And I'm sure you have ones that are like that live outside of me, you know, like with the other co-writes that you do and vice versa. So like, like I think that that is super beneficial because then i can say okay well last time we wrote with this guy we did this this is like the theme do we want to stay close to that you know that kind of stuff and just makes that so much easier because it's in a centralized location that honestly everyone has access to and also to store audio if you are emailing you know oh it's a people and uh, well yeah i mean i remember when we didn't have iphone god (laughs) i remember when we didn't have iphone um (laughs) and we had to go from a laptop but now I've got all of these audio files, not just music, but also things like radio stingers, right? Like you're listening to Chris or like, this is Chris from Faust or this is Chris from Blackwater James Yeah, that you can send to radio stations, you know, online streaming, whatever. And just having that little extra piece can make you stand out like, oh, this person's super professional, Um, you know, and, and they'll play it. They will most definitely add it into, you know, their, their radio promos. But had I not had that on my Google Drive and easy to send, I, I wouldn't have done it. You know, it would have been a nightmare to try to attach that back in the day. But now I've got it. And, you know, if I'm sitting somewhere for six minutes waiting for a, a coffee to come out, I can probably send four emails in a matter of time it takes for me to pay for my coffee and get my coffee. <laughs> That's so wild. It's it's amazing to me how much easier things are right now. And like the people who I think are successful are the ones that are just willing to do it or maybe know to do it. So, Cause some people I think would love to do the work if they know what work to do to make them successful. But like, I remember going to the post office with press kits that we printed out ourselves and spending like thousands of dollars, sending them to places all over like the U S and like the UK, like we did a whole like UK push and got our songs on the radio in the UK. Like the, and we did all of that, like independently, like it was, and all of that is so easy now because all you need is like an email address. And then you send them either your electronic press kit or a link to your electronic press kit. It's so much easier and cheaper now. So like, just do it. <laughs> uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who is one of my favorite, like marketing motivational yeah. folks. Um, if you are a musician or in the music industry, go follow Gary Vaynerchuk and just go back to the beginning uh, of his content and just listen. My favorite, one of my favorite things that he says 
is around taking action. He goes, I'm not afraid to give you my secrets. There are no secrets. Yeah. I'm not afraid to give you my secret sauce because 99.9% of you aren't going to do anything with it, even if I give it to you. And the 0.1% will take that and run with it and do something better. So be that 0.1% that's going to take action because that is literally the difference. That That is the, the biggest factor, I think, in succeeding and not succeeding. You know, in in music, in business, it's in anything It's yeah, doing just, the work. Just get started. Don't, yeah. don't, don't care about quality. Don't care about, just go get started. The first song you write is going to be awful. Probably the first 10 songs you write are going to be awful, but 400, who knows? It's, um, I, listen, I've written a lot of bad songs. I've written some good songs. A lot you, of bad songs. You got to write some eventually, bad yeah, You're eventually going to gonna get a good one. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and you got to learn what works and what doesn't work. And you learn by failing. Like, People should not be as afraid of failure as they are. And I think in the creative world, there is because you feel like it's your baby, you know? And I'm yeah. like, that, to me, that's been one of the biggest pieces of success for people that have gone and, you know, grown their careers was understanding like, well, I mean, it's my baby, but, you know, I also want to be successful. I want to grow. Yeah. So like learning to give up some of those things to, to get better at your craft or learning um, to try new things. Like I can't, I can't tell you how many times you and I have been like, Hey, let's write a pop song. And just so we can like sort of stretch that muscle and write pop music or like we've written country songs. We've been doing a lot of country co-writes recently. Uh, and we have a rock and background song or and rock songwriting. Right. So like, I don't think there should be any reason why you should shy away from doing things that you haven't done before, but want to get better at. Totally. Um, Gosh, that, that is a, a huge actionable item. And I know it yeah. is kind of, you know, a motivation, but God, just uh, uh, one way to be actionable is to be actionable. All right. So number three, actionable item for people to grow in uh, their music career, but focusing on brand. I would say one of the things that I like to do now with, especially the podcast, because like we have Facebook groups with like, I think our core fans, like the most loyal fans are in our Facebook groups. I will occasionally like post in there and ask, like when you see our images, like our brand more or less, I don't say it that way, but like when you see our social share, what do you think about? Like, what does it make you think of? So I'm like testing to see if the brand I think I created is the brand I created. Uh, and if it isn't, how do I hone it down so it, that it is? Like conveying the image I wanted to convey, at just a glance, right? So that oh. I think testing your brand maybe is what I'd call that um, is important too, because I have gone back and made little changes to things or maybe not done certain types of content because it did not match with the, the brand ultimately. And I think that's as important as, you know, starting with a brand is staying true to that brand over time. And, you know, as things shift and you grow, you might start to get away from that. So like, making sure that you are staying true to that brand through brand testing, I think is important. Testing. Uh, I know that saying is always be closing. No, 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 no. Always be <laughs> testing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always be testing. And that's, you know, one thing that being in digital marketing for so long has taught me is that if, if you set it and forget it from a campaign and a, you know, a, a campaign perspective, you're probably going to lose yeah. At least right off the bat. If you don't have your audience defined, if you don't have your parameters defined, testing will help you build that brand box. You know, we talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, finding out if 
you know, everything is, is going in that box. Everything can fit in that box. Or do you need to make the box smaller or bigger? Um, there's a lot of things that you can do from testing. And, and, you know, one of the easy ways to test is like you mentioned is on social media. Ask. Yeah. You've got a, a fan base, whether it's 20 people or 20 million people, you essentially have a focus group yeah. for your material. Yeah. Use it. Identify those rock stars. That's one thing that we did in Blackwater James. Here's another yeah. fun little tip. Um, we wanted to mobilize our fan base. So what we did is we created the Blackwater James gang. Yep. It was, vir- it was our virtual street team. Like I think bands, at least of a certain era, will know what a street team is. And we had a virtual street team. And this, that is something that I use to this day for both of the podcasts that I am on and produce. And I think that's a part of the success that we've had is we have, I, I like to call them at this point, brand evangelists. Mm-hmm. because we'll like literally send them merch if they'll do posts about it and stuff like that. And like talk to their friends and family about it and their social media circle about it. Like that can be a very important aspect of growth. Oh, absolutely. And I think that um, you can do a lot of cool things where you can identify those rock stars, those brand evangelists mm-hmm. and give them positions of power within your brand. You know, we identified folks in Ireland and in Scotland yeah. and in Germany and in France and they helped us spread the word a ton, but we acknowledged them publicly and said, we are so excited to have, you know, Trish in Ireland be our, you know, Dublin Blackwater James gang, you know, team leader. Yeah. Um, and we would send them things and minimal things, but just because they're involved just makes them feel a part of your tribe. Yeah. You know, and that's one thing that can't be, understated overstated i think both work honestly (laughs) Uh, one thing you can't get enough of is that uh, from a brand perspective is that tribe mentality you know it goes back to the value overlap but you're letting people be a part of something really special well todd thanks for joining us again on the do that music thing podcast uh you know the insight you provide has been super helpful always love chatting and you know all we want to do here on this podcast is give people actionable items to grow their career in music, whether they're artists or managers or promoters. Um, and just wanted to say thank you for being on the show today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Love doing it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Do That Music Thing podcast. To learn more about me, the host, Christopher Faust, you can catch me online at ChristopherFaust.com, on Instagram, at Chris Faust Music or on Twitter at Chris James GTR. If you'd like to be a guest on the Do That Music Thing podcast, please feel free to email me at ChrisFaustMusic at gmail.com. If you're a fan of the show, head on over and leave us a five-star review. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris Faust. Let's go do that music thing. <laughs>